0: Let's welcome Cheryl Sandberg and Uwe Heuser. Hi.
1: Hi, Sheryl. I Sarah. don't think I've ever done a standing interview before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well. Here we are. Um, we're so happy you're here. Thank you so much. Sheryl, I was fed a lot of questions. You wouldn't believe how many people contacted me telling me, ask her this and ask her that. Um, But I'm going to start with a question on my own, because I I learned recently, it's an analog question, that Facebook has um, uh, pop-up stores opened um, in New York mainly (laughs) to sell what they call digital native products. Are you going into a fight, into competition with Amazon, or what's the idea?
1: No. Right. (laughs) We've done some community boost activities where we'll go into communities, work with small businesses, work on giving people digital skills. But we're not in the retail sales business.
0: All right. Okay, so um, let's then go into the digital world where, where you are a native. Um, we all heard the, the message you've spread the last couple of days um, about all that Facebook has done to correct itself and to correct mistakes of the past. But you also say that you're nowhere done, that there's a lot to be done. Will we recognize Facebook once you're done with the makeover or is it going <laughs> to be a whole different company?
1: Well, I think in many ways, you know, we do the same things. We help people connect all over the world. But I think we really recognize that we didn't anticipate all the risks that came from connecting so many people. And so while we have the same products, we have a very fundamentally different approach to running the company. I think if you want to look at what companies care about, you look where they spend their money. And what you see from us now is that we're investing billions of dollars a year in what is a much more rigorous security effort. And, you know, we know we need to earn back trust, and that means we need to prove it. And so from everything from election integrity to fake news on our platform to getting the right content up to protecting people's data and information, we're taking a much more rigorous approach. And I think it's really important because there's so much good that's done on Facebook, but the harm and the noise about the harm threatens to drown out that good. And that's why we've just massively changed how we invest.
0: You have 30,000 people now who try to safeguard the Facebook content uh, against hate and and political influence and all that. Um, It's like an army. It is an army, 30,000 people. Um, If you have to have an army to safeguard what you do, isn't there something like at the core wrong with the business model?
1: So I'm glad you asked, and I'm actually... No, I'm actually really glad you asked that way. So let's talk about our business model. I think people are suspicious. They're suspicious that you can be in what is a relevant advertising model, which is using information to show relevant ads and you can protect privacy. People believe you can't do both. And I just think that's not true. I think we do both. So no matter how many times this is written, we do not sell data and we do not give anyone's data to marketers without their permission. What we do is we use information to show relevant ads, so we're showing you things you might be interested in. And where that's really important is for small business. So I was in Dublin working with uh, SMEs, the Metal stand, small businesses. I met a woman in the bathroom. She runs a company that has a dog hotel in Dublin. You know, she's a small business. She can't buy broad-based TV or billboards. She couldn't even afford to advertise to all of Dublin. But she can advertise on us and show her ad to dog lovers. Now, we do that by taking the ad and showing it to them. We don't pass back any information to her. And so this business model, which we have not done a good job of explaining, I think is so critical to the small business growth we see, but also to providing a product for free around the world. You know, there are 2.6 billion people using our products and services, and that's because advertising gives us a free product, and we think that's really important. I mean, and consistent.
0: You know the debate consistent about how, how free it actually is if you if you supply your own data. But um, this year has, of course, been a focus of, of problems, and it's it, it all overshadowed by Cambridge Analytica and, and the data that went to this company. Um, but at the same time, some other things happened. Like, for example, the founders of WhatsApp and Instagram left the Facebook family, um, and they had some trouble also with the advertising model. Did that signal something to you? Was was that a problem?
1: Well, I think the founders left for different reasons. And um, you know, if you asked if you asked us at the time we acquired Instagram, would Kevin Systrom, who's a remarkable leader, stay for seven years, build a huge user base, build a huge business? I think we would have been very happy for that. He's a wonderful person and a great entrepreneur. I know there are a lot of. Concerns and it's certainly been a difficult time, but probably the thing I'm most proud of is how our company for the most part is holding together. We have certainly had some departures. We've also had some great new talent that's joined. People like Nick Clegg joined as our head of policy. We have a new CMO in Antonio Lucio. And obviously there are voices. There's always one or two who are upset and loud, but for the most part people are coming to work every day trying to solve the problems and work together. And I'm pretty proud of the cohesion we've had, all the people that have stayed on our team, and the work we're doing to try to get better at these issues.
0: Facebook has always portrayed itself not just as a company, but as a society, as creating a society. You could also, of course, in a way, call it a kingdom, because there's one founder, Mark Zuckerberg, at the helm of it all. And um, he, he sets most of the rules. Um, do you think, and you know, this question is in line with what a lot of observers have said that Mark can stay in combination chairman and CEO?
1: I think Mark should. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need to do things differently. We do. But Mark and I and the whole senior team at Facebook, we're determined to do better at preventing harm. And we think we're the best people to do it because we built the systems and we know them. You know, Mark cares deeply about building community and helping to build community around the world. And I think his leadership has been and continues to be really important for us.
0: Um, you have talked about protecting data already. And obviously, it's a big concern of yours, and it, it has to be. Um, at the same time, for example, in Munich at the DLD, you said in your speech that um, you have reduced um, the exchange of data with other companies like Netflix and Amazon and so on. But reduced means, of course, that you, you know there's still data being ex- exchanged. Do you think that people know enough about what's happening with their data these days?
1: Well, I think it's a really important question because it's your information and you choose to share it with Facebook and you should understand how you're sharing it and understand. Now, maybe this is a bad example because this is live to the web, but if you and I were having a conversation, I could, bad example, but I could take a picture of this conversation. I could share it just with myself on my own timeline for my own records. I could share it just with my mom is the one person who will always care, I could share with the whole world. And every single time I post on Facebook or on Instagram, I should be sharing with who I want to share. And then the question is, how is your information being shared with with others? And so we believe that people need to understand how their information is being used, and we're trying to do way better on that. So I think GDPR was a really big step forward. We took the GDPR controls, and we made them in some format available to the rest of the world. We've also done a number of things to put privacy controls right into the product. So for every advertisement on Facebook, you can say, drop down and say, why am I seeing this ad? Why do you think I'm interested in this? And then you can say, actually, I'm not interested in golf. I don't want to see this or I don't like that advertiser. And so the idea is people understanding it's their data and us building the tools and the transparency so that they can understand how it's used. Now, our industry is complicated. And there's a lot more to do here, I think, for us and I think for our whole industry.
0: Yeah. Um, Let me share a secret. I didn't take any of all these questions I got. So I'm not not going to ask one except this one. Okay. Okay. Um, Because yesterday... This better be a good one. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, Yesterday, a a friend um, uh, wrote to me and drew my my attention to um, a website called Who Tracks Me. And according to this website, um, Facebook... um, Tracks about one quarter of the traffic on the web. Um, Google does much more, so there's always somebody worse. But then it's then it's Facebook, and then way down is Amazon and so on. Um, and and the question is again: um, if 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 all this tracking is necessary, um, can can you really guarantee people's privacy, and can you really make sure that people know what's happening with their data? Because right now they don't.
1: So we're building a product called Clear History, which is going to enable you to clear Facebook from, from holding any of the apps and websites you visit. So that will give people, I think, a very good option to, to have more control. And again, we need to do a better job making sure people understand it's their information and how it's used. And we're very committed to doing that.
0: But you're not scared by this number, that tracking a quarter of the…
1: Well, if you have a like button on your site, that would count as tracking. Right. I don't think we're I don't think it's it is what, you know, if I go to a website and I like something, data is passing between the two apps. So it really depends. Tracking could be for nefarious purposes. Tracking could be something you don't understand. Or it might be just I've liked I've liked your article. And that, I think, is an experience people have really enjoyed and websites have really enjoyed. You know, you can't go, I think, to most sites without a share back to Facebook because people want to get distribution and they want to do that kind of sharing. So not all data sharing is the same.
0: Uh, thank you for the answer. I hope the question was a good one. I think if it was not, good. If not, I'm going to tell him he's, <laughs> he's right in the audience. Otherwise, I'm going to tell him. Um, um, could could you imagine a Facebook that does w- without any of this? That makes sure that any data transfer is is made known, and um, and you don't give data to other companies, like a really secluded secure space, would that be possible as a Facebook?
1: Well, it's such an interesting point. Um, I spoke at DLD this week, and as part part of preparing, I looked, the last time I spoke at DLD, which is 2012, and I kind of looked at the headlines on Facebook. And if you look back to 2012, or even when I joined Facebook in 2008, the biggest complaint about Facebook is that we were hoarding data, not sharing it. We were a walled garden. We had the social graph, we were where your friends are connected, and we were selfishly and proprietarily not sharing that data so no one else could make social apps. So the Facebook platform, I think, did and still does do a lot of good things. It's why you can see your friends' birthdays on your calendar or share your friends' playlists or play games around your friends. Now, I think the early version of platform, which is where the Cambridge Analytica era happened, we were sharing too much information, and that was shut down years ago. But the idea that you shouldn't be able to go places and share back to Facebook or you shouldn't be able to use a Like button – I think if we went that far, people would really mind, and then they would go back to saying what they said before, which is that we were a walled garden. Now, we need to do better at managing the data, and I think that's why you saw the changes we made to platform. But in all of the concerns, what I haven't heard is that anyone wants a world where a company as large as ours doesn't share any data, because I think that it's been very important for the startup ecosystem that we share.
0: I have a theory what, what is the problem at, at the core of, of what you went through the last couple of years? And it's the same thing that you it at, at first and, and, and called a great model, and that is the combination of free and advertising. That creates all the aggression that we have seen, and which led to some of the problems we've seen. Um, do you think that maybe the, the platform industry went the wrong way there when it was still probable to go another way?
1: I don't. Because if we charged for our product, almost everyone in the world wouldn't be able to use it. And the idea that we can give people voice and provide a service for free while doing ads in a privacy-safe way is really important. Now, if you disallowed relevant advertising, if you said you can't use any information, even without giving it out, you really just hurt small businesses. There are 90 million small businesses in the world that use Facebook on a monthly basis. Half of them say that they're hiring because of the growth from our services. Big companies can buy TV ads, but small companies can't. And so I think both from a user ability to share and use a product for free and to be able to grow small businesses, this is very important. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have to do it while explaining that the business model, you know, isn't bad for people's privacy and we need to do a better job there. But I think fundamentally disallowing this business model would harm a lot of people all over the world.
0: Sure. I, I recently um, had the pleasure of visiting one of your board members, Peter Thiel, accidentally the first investor in, in, in Facebook. Um, he has moved away from Silicon Valley and um, he alleges that Silicon Valley peaked, that sort of it's, it's going down now in a way, that it is not innovative enough and that it's too content with itself and um, not broadly enough thinking and searching progress. Um, Do you think there's something to that idea of your board member?
1: Well, I certainly think there is, you know, a lot of angst and anxiety about the tech companies, the power the tech companies has, us, others. Um, And I think if you look back to other technologies, you actually see a similar pattern. So if you look everything from the printing press to the railroads to TV, what you see is an initial phase of, oh, my God, this is amazing and All of these things it enables, followed by people really worried about the harms, followed by a period that's more reflective and learning where I think new rules are written. And I think the technology industry is in that phase. And because the technology is bigger, I think the questions and the concerns are even bigger than the ones before us. But there was a phase of everyone embracing the technology. There's a phase right now of really being worried about the harms. And a lot of those are legitimate, and we need to do a better job. And now we've got to figure out what kind of Internet we want. All of us, you know, and I think in the end, we're not going to want one that's too tightly controlled where people don't have voice, but we're not going to want one with no controls where anything goes. And so I think we're in that phase right now where the fundamental rules are getting rewritten. And this is where governments come in because they have an obligation and a duty to set law, but it's also where civil society, civil rights groups, newspapers, people the technology industry ourselves, I think we're in that phase of rewriting the rules and figuring out what they're going to be. And so I do think it is a more reflective time, and I think it should be.
0: So, did Peter did the right thing moving 400 miles down to LA? Well, you, you have to ask, yes. him. You well, have to he ask him. He, he <laughs> thinks he did. He thinks he did. There's one quote that I, I have to confront you with. It's a former uh, Facebook employee, and it became kind of a famous quote. Um, and um, he said, basically, um, it's a shame that there is a whole generation of the best and brightest in Silicon Valley um, working on getting people to click on ads. Um, so is, are people thinking too small? is, um, is then sort of is, are we putting all this talent to the right task?
1: So ads are part of our business model, but you look at what we do, that's certainly not. All we optimize for, right? I mean, we are trying to enable people to connect, enable people to find people. We just announced that we've people have raised a billion dollars for charities that they wanted to raise for. I get to meet actually later today uh, a man I haven't met before named Armstrong Payne. He lives in a small rural village in India, and there was no road to the hospital. So it took two days of walking to get someone to the hospital. So if someone got really sick, they died. And on Facebook, he raised $100,000 and he and his brother raised the money to build a road and now they can drive to the hospital. That doesn't mean a lot of bad things don't happen. They do. But the fundamental ability of people to change their lives when they can connect, when there's a service for free that they could never pay for, I think is worth fighting for. And I stand here today knowing that Mark and I and all of us, we have to earn back trust. And we're only going to do that if we prove it. If we really are determined to fix the problems, but I just think there's so much good worth fighting for. And yeah, I th-
0: definitely, and, and I was really talking at this stage about the platforms a, as a whole and about Silicon Valley as a whole. It seems that the suspicion against the valley, the the sort of um, the tech skepticism, started around the, the same time that the Trump election happened in 2016, give or take a couple of months. Um, Do you think they somehow connected? Do you think that people are also disappointed with the Silicon Valley elite who promised them a better world in, in very high praise and high tone for a long time and they don't see it coming to them? Well,
1: look, there's certainly a lot of a lot of insecurity. There's insecurity about increased polarization and there's insecurity about jobs, which is why I think the small business growth. Um, It's worth thinking for a minute about polarization because what people are worried about, they think sometimes, and I think falsely, that social media means you can go into a bubble and only see things from your friends and people you like. But if you compare someone who's on social media to someone who's not, if you're not on social media, you maybe read one or two newspapers, hopefully yours, and you go to one or two news sites. And those news sites have increasingly strong points of views. If you are on social media about 25% of what you see will be from someone with other political views. So being on social media is definitely broadening, not minimizing of what you see. But on the other hand there's a real concern that more sensational headlines, more clickbaity things spread faster, and that's something that we are definitely worry- are definitely thinking about and worrying about.
0: It seems that there's always one of the Silicon Valley big companies in the spotlight. Um, it was Google for a long time, and I know that people at Facebook were enjoying that. Um, now yeah. it's Facebook and people at Google are calming down. Um, <laughs> how long do you think this is gonna last, and when is, when is it gonna go over to the next company, say, Amazon?
1: I mean, <laughs> here's what I know. Um, I know that we've made real changes in how we run our company, I know that we are taking enormous steps to prevent all the harm, but I also know we're never going to prevent all of it. Um, And so we've got 2.6 billion people on our platform and services, and that means you're going to see all the beauty and some of the ugliness of humanity. I don't think the issue is, does it move to the next company? And with all due respect, I don't think any of us enjoy it. But I think what we need to do is prove that we're doing all we can to prevent the harms. But I also think there needs to be an acceptance of what happens when there is voice for this many people. What happens when people have at their fingertips such strong, such strong, such strong, such strong abilities to connect with each other. And we have to do the hard work of making sure the bad doesn't run out the good because there is so much good.
0: uh, last fall, um, it seems that the scapegoating was not only about Facebook. It was also about you. Um, There was a lot of negative commentary and all that and some of it was quite ununderstandable in a way. Um, have you ever thought of leaving, of not doing this anymore?
1: Look, it's been hard for sure. It's been a difficult time and I mean I don't really recognize myself or my colleagues and some of the characterizations exactly. and you know for someone who I wake up, we all do, every day trying to do the right thing, some of the accusations which were untrue are definitely hard. But I'm really determined to fix this. I've been at Facebook a decade. It's a huge part of my life. I really believe in what happens on the platform. I've seen how it's impacted my life. How it's the place where all my memories of my husband are stored. It's the place where my friends keep connected. It's the place where I've been able to rally people to the causes. I care about lean in. Mm -hmm. And so I feel more determined and motivated than ever because the challenge is greater and I, I think we're fighting to preserve the good, and it's an it's an honor to do that, and I feel very dedicated to doing that.
0: Rainer Esser, in his introduction, already um, alluded to it. You're way more than the Facebook COO. You, you're a role model for many women and in other parts of society. Um, and at the same time, because of what we just talked about, um, for example, Bloomberg calls you a little tainted, and and well, you you've seen all this. Um, don't you think there is a time when, when um, so if you, you have to distance yourself from this um, from all this bad reputation?
1: I mean, I think I have a job to do. Too. And it's a job I really want to do, which is help make sure that Facebook is on the right path and that see, people see the things we're doing. At the same time, and I'm really proud of this, the lean-in community is thriving. Yeah. We started almost six years ago. We had a big goal. We were going to have 1,000 lean-in circles, small groups of women and men, but mostly women meeting, meeting together every week. We just hit 41,000 circles in 172 countries. It's an incredible, it's one of the largest grassroots of women, so if I believe deeply in Facebook, I also believe deeply in the power of women to make a difference, and I'm glad to continue to work on both.
0: And, and you, the following question you already know from me, but it, it's under a new light and in a new atmosphere. Um, Many of these women would like, would like for you to run for president, especially given the current president. <laughs> um, still not on your agenda? Still not?
1: Not on my agenda. I have, a lot, I have plenty of work to do. Okay. My work is cut out for me. Right.
0: Well, then uh, I have one very last question just among the two of us, and I just need oh, to yeah, know. Oh, yeah, just us. Uh, yeah, um, so like
1: no one else is
0: here. Please don't I listen. I can barely
1: see anyone okay. else here it and is. all the phones that
0: are taping. Here it is. Did Mark really say at one stage, Cheryl, you threw us under the bus?
1: No, of course not. Oh, okay. Of course not.
0: <laughs> okay, then I'm glad and I know why you're staying. Thank you so much, Cheryl Sanchez. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you.